Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast, is part of the Big Heads Media Network. For more information, go to bigheadsmedia.com. And go! Hi, Husky fans. Welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Jake. And we go together like dragons in the Pacific Northwest. I got nothing. That's your duo? Think about it. That's for... Think. Dragons in the Pacific North... Oh. What is it? The new hockey team. The new XFL team. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had higher hopes for the name, to be honest with you. I well, What's going to really suck is when they name the hockey team the Dragons. That would really bum me out. <laughs> because if it's not the Kraken or... <laughs> I'm rooting for the Kraken. I so like the Kraken. I also <laughs> like, like uh, I think the, like the Chinook would be kind of What dope. about the upstream salmon? The upstream, <laughs> like a dead fish. <laughs> it's like Vin Baker's jump shot. Guys, wait for me. <laughs> no, that was the drunken salmon. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, you probably don't, because who would? But I remember as a kid watching when Vin Baker came, they did like a story on him for like King 5 or something. And all he talked about was how much he liked to drink beer and fry chicken. I don't remember that. <laughs> like, Fried chicken, huh? Well, I mean, he liked to fry it himself. He sure. was... What college did he go to? Oh, small. Um, Murray State? Wofford. Wofford. I knew that. Not. No. Who cares? Okay, so... um, Why do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) You know... I wasn't very cool in middle school. (laughs) Didn't you also have a Bucks Vin Baker jersey? I have a Ray Allen Bucks jersey. Oh, that's right. It's funny that you mentioned him because I'm actually... I've... I've been thinking a lot about Ray Allen this week, um, or the last couple days after watching Washington's win over Eastern Washington. Um, Jake and I are actually recording face-to-face. This is kind of weird. Usually I'm in a room sweating with my shirt off, and this week uh, we're staring now, at now, each other. I'm staring at him sweating <laughs> <laughs> with the shirt off. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. We, we got some uh, listener feedback that said just wait. They want... You know, our podcast would really suck if we weren't doing the banter together because... Neither one of us are that smart and have a dialect on our own, so we kind of need to run off of each other. Exactly. So I think this was the smart choice. Um, I came up to the farm for a a co-op pop-up. I pimped uh, Fourth and Inches at Oak Harbor. Nobody took advantage of some free fruit, Uh, but here we are. Uh, so now we're up. I'm at Jake's house. We're going to do a fantasy football draft this uh, this afternoon. So right now, but we're going to be talking about some Husky football. Jake, what are your initial thoughts on the 47-14 win over Eastern Washington? Initially, uh, it looks like a good win overall. You know, uh, there's a lot of pressure on Eastern's shoulders to perform right off the start. Um, a lot of fans remember, what was that, f- five years ago playing Eastern? Uh, opening day at Husky Stadium. 2014? Yeah. Was it Peterson's? F- no. Was it Peterson? No, I think it was Sark. I think it might have been Sark's last year. Yeah, so seven years ago. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Eastern came in and kind of laid the whoop down on us with a lot less talent. Uh, Vernon Adams threw all over us. You were there. I was there in in the Eastern fan section. Why were you in the Eastern fan section? Because my cousin played for Eastern Washington. Shout out, Evan. And, and I was wearing purple and gold. <laughs> so that everybody hated me. What did you do when 
I, I'll never forget this. What did you do when Desmond picked that pass off? I shook. I put my hands around my aunt's throat and shook her viciously. <laughs> and everybody in the crowd looked like they wanted to. I think the Eastern Eagle came up and like threw a haymaker on me. <laughs> Fortunately, as a college girl, so it didn't hurt that bad. Um, but, you know, everybody kind of remembers that game. And really, everybody's a little bit scared of Eastern because of that game. Well, they beat Wazoo. Yeah, you know, that, that team's, they're a really good uh, FCS school. With the amount of pressure on Easton's shoulders coming into the game, the the kid is cool hand Luke, man. The kid came oh, in, yeah. some of the throws that he made, he really showed the liveness of his arm. He showed his poise, a couple of bad snaps once um, Nick Harris went down with that injury. Uh, melee come in and uh, was a little wild with the with the shotgun snaps and Easton really shows his his skill sets and uh, you know that the team really flew around and I was really really happy you know we scored a lot if you didn't look at the score and you watched the game it was a manhandle yeah this game was never in question from the start I'm gonna space on the Eastern kid their their quarterback but he's Barry the one. A. Yeah, Barry, a really cool name, right? Um, he ended up beating out uh, the guy that transferred to Wazoo, Gabru, uh, and he's the reason why Gabru's not there anymore. Um, he he took his job, and apparently he's not good enough to play at Wazoo either. Um, he was a good quarterback. He he's that quarterback that has given Washington problems in their in this new Chris Peterson uh, defense. Some of the the bigger games that Washington has uh, given up on defense has been to dual threat quarterbacks. The the ones that stick out to me are uh, Tyler Huntley uh, when they came to Husky Stadium and almost beat us. Khalil Tate in 2016. No, that no 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 Brandon Dawkins. Yeah. Um, Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. Just even looking at not Eastern Washington as a whole real right now, but just their offense. Where would you rank them if they were in the Pac-12? Man, you got to – I mean, they're obviously not going to be in the upper echelon. I don't even know if they're mid-pack as far as offense goes. Um, I'd probably rate them above the Colorados, the Oregon States, uh, but i definitely rate them below the Arizonas just because Barrier is not as good as Khalil Tate and the weapons around Khalil Tate are a little bit better. So probably ninth, 10th is my range of Eastern Washington's offense around the Pac-12. And that's kind of where I had them too, probably 8th or ninth. I think they're better. Oregon State's defense offense is better overall. I, I think that would be a pretty fun game to watch. But offensively, I think they're better than Cal. I think... You think so? Offensively? Did you see how much running yards they got? I mean, it was Cal Poly, but the one dude rattled off almost 200 running yards. Yeah, um, I, I guess maybe I'm basing it more on quarterback play. I think that their offense is better than Cal. I, I'd be interested, you know, maybe just because of the way – maybe they might be lower than I thought. I have a lot of respect for Eastern. Do you think that they're worse now that JT Daniels is out? I don't know. If you were just to take Barry A as a quarterback, I would take him over this three-star kid that they have – that played that uh, for most of that game. Are we talking just quarterback player? Or are we talking ju- total offense? Well, that's because, a problem because I changed it up on you. Yeah. 
regularly. Yeah. If you're talking total offense, USC has more talent Much than better. anybody in the Pac-12. If you're talking quarterback play, I'm taking Barrier over what they're bringing in right now. Outside of Alabama, I, I don't know if I take anybody else's wide receiver core over USC. Yeah, but yeah. I might I might take Barrier over JT Daniels at their, this point in both of their careers, even if JT Daniels is healthy. We'll see, because JT Daniels... in. When he was playing, he was pretty efficient. Granted, he was in that they ran kind of a... It wasn't as much of a spread as, you know, going all in like Leach does. But he they definitely spread the ball a little bit more and he looked pretty efficient not having to make as many decisions in a pro-style system. Uh, I think I would take him over... I would take him over Luton. I would take him over... I would take him over the kid from McDan. You're thinking uh, Jaden McDaniel's uh, from Arizona State. Yeah. Um, I would take him. Would over, you take him over the UCLA kid? You know, I would have said no because I like Dorian Thomas Robinson, but I don't think he looked super duper good against Cincinnati. Granted, that's a good team. Yeah. But both of them played. I, I think that Washington's defense is better than Cincinnati's, and I think that just staying away from turnovers. Barrier was better than yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah, I think I think that's probably going to be UCLA's problem the rest of the year is, is can they get rid of this turnover bug that they've been going through the last two or three years. Well, DTR I think had four yeah. in that game. Yeah, that's tough to watch. Eastern's going to be one of the best teams in the FCS. I think the best way to put it is if they were a Pac-12 team, they would be able to be competitive with probably the bottom third of the conference. Yeah, they'd be a bottom feeder. Not win those games per se, but they'd be in those games where in this game. They don't go winless in the Pac-12. No, especially if they're in the South. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you how do you how do you feel like our defense played? So defensively, I thought overall that you could see just the amount of talent that was on the field. Um, I think that losing nine starters, the national narrative is that the defense is going to take a step back, and you definitely saw a couple of lapses, especially in the defensive backfield where you're, we're not used to seeing that, but these guys that are playing right now are young, but the, the, the amount of talent and the caliber of athlete that's on the defense now is an upgrade from even last year. Well, Yogi Roth said it perfectly himself. Last year we didn't give up a single touchdown over 40 yards. Yeah. Game one against yards. an FCS team, we gave up a touchdown over 40 yards. So yeah. there's definitely a big learning curve for this for this defense as a and unit. And that was on Keith Taylor, too. That wasn't, uh, yeah. that wasn't like Molden or Dom Hampton or some of the other Well, that was a guys. missed tackle, too, wasn't it? It, it was a safety and him kind of uh, just whiffed both. Yeah. And I think they ended up colliding with each other. Yeah. And uh, looked, the, the receiver bad. made a good made a good move. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you wouldn't have seen that last year. And uh, maybe Keith Taylor got a little comfortable and, and got burned. They're, they're definitely going to... Go watch the footage and watch film and, and, and bite that in the ass right away. I think that one of the good things about this defensive backfield is they're not going to be tested until week week five when USC comes to town. Um, and, you know, they're obviously uh, JT Daniels is out for the season, uh, but they still have the best wide receivers – the best wide receiving core, I mean, top five in the nation. Yeah, so the west of the Mississippi. Me. Yeah. Yeah, they scare me, but that's a lot of time to improve and, and gel as a defense. Uh, they they went through a lot of guys cycled through, which is what you want to see. I'd be interested next week to see the cohesion of once the starters are getting those reps. I know that Peterson always throws in 
that uh, starts to sprinkle in some second unit guys um, a few series into the into the game. But you're gonna see. I expect to see Brandon Wellington have more snaps and more tackles. Kyler Manu played well enough that he's gonna probably be the starter again next week. Um, Who was the kid that put the lick in on that? Running back. Lay too long. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's going to force himself onto the field. That was, and, and I think when I'm talking about the athleticism and the, the athlete that's coming into Washington now, that is a huge difference between uh, our linebackers of previous to, to now. Because there was no pushback. Yeah. Um, you think of the two linebackers that have been there the last few years BBK and uh, the kid from Wyoming. Um, Ben, Tevis Bartley. Oh, Tevis Bartley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tevis Bartley was a like a, a, a state champion wrestler. Um, so he could, he was he was really good about that. But that kid, once he got into Latu's hands, put him down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Latu at a full run laid him out. Yeah. The kid had no chance of. He of picked him push. up and threw him on the ground. Yeah, he had no chance of falling mm-hmm. forward. Latu destroyed him yeah. and and it was fun to watch. It's fun to watch a linebacker core come in with the speed and the aggression and the physical attributes to come and fly around, make some hard hits and, and they were blown up. That offensive line's pretty good for Eastern Washington and the defensive line with the with the linebackers just blew up all sorts of plays all day. MJ Tafisi was a huge Miles Rice. Miles Rice. Miles was Rice, big. man, he looks he looks big, man. You forgot about Miles Rice, didn't you? you? Everybody forgot yeah, about I forgot Miles about Rice. Yep. You know, I remember com- watching him come in. He's a Texas kid out of high school mm-hmm. and and being so excited for him. He hadn't seen the field very much. I watched him this game and I was like, "Holy cow, who is the who's the cow on the field right now? And He's a big strong kid." And that just goes to what this coaching staff can do. Uh, in player development, and you know, uh, Miles Rice, I believe he was either a three-star or four-star kid. Not necessarily the most recruited kid. He's been in the program for three or four years now, and now he is an impact player. It just gets me excited about them being able to mold these high four stars. And on the other side, what do you think of uh, Washington's offense? Dynamic. Dynamic is the first word that comes to my mind. And looking at Trevor's expression, I clearly just took his word. When I watching this game, there's there's not one dimension of this team that's heavy. It's not lopsided. It's a very even skilled offense all the way right around. Eason can huck the ball around the field. He can go 40-50. I mean, you saw him huck. Uh, uh, he had he. It was a bad snap. He corralled the snap, he got pressure, and he launched the ball 65 yards down the field and overthrew Fuller by about two yards. At some point in this year, he's not going to overthrow him. He's going to hit him in stride. Fuller said that he saw the snap, so he didn't – he gave up on the play. And he said it looked like the ball came from heaven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 65 on a rope, that's, that's Kyle Bowler, right? (laughs) <laughs> with some touch <laughs> so but it's not just Easton throwing it's the ability to run the ball with Richard Newton who looked phenomenal in his first start not first start but first no, real was his a- first play first yeah first, first play touch a as a Husky but his first real live action mm-hmm. uh, he goes out there his first touch he goes for 27 yards and a touch 
you know, and then you got Ahmed and, and you got a good ground game all the way around. You got speed. You got Chico who can catch bubble screens. You got Fuller that can catch those deep routes. Pacelli that can catch those deep routes. There's not one area of the field as a defense that you don't have to cover with this offense, and it's fun to watch. And with Eason's arm, too, there's not he can make every throw. Yeah. So defensive backs have to when, have to have to guard the whole field. Yeah, when when I saw Easton make that throw even though he overthrew I mean he didn't overthrow him on one play and it was a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah. Easton's first touchdown as a Husky. Mm-hmm. The one that he overthrew him, I remember sitting there watching if that had happened last year, if Browning tries to go over the top, that ball's in the air for way too long. Uh the receiver It's a punt, right? Yeah. yeah, the receiver has to stop running, and he has to try to come back to the ball because we've seen that too many times from Browning, right? Yep. yep. You're not going to see that this year. Easton will put the ball on the money. He's got all of the intangibles, and and that's what really kind of makes this offense special. I think both of us on this podcast have been pretty bullish on the fact that we've we've thought that Jacob Easton was going to be good, uh, and there was some narrative like that there was going to be some rust that was going to have to get knocked off of him. And I, I rejected that because it's not like the kid didn't throw a football or do any sort of organized football for the last two years. I think that was kind of a just trying to get storylines. I'm not sure. I, 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 expected, I expected him to do – I expected him to look good. He looked great. Yeah, I, he's got all the tools. I mean – you hit it. You hit it on the head when you said the guy hasn't thrown a football in two years. He he was the scout team MVP last yeah. year. That's a lot of that's a lot of practicing. That's a lot of that's a lot of reps. that's a lot of lot, lot of throwing footballs mm. on a really good defense. Yeah. So and, the, and the kid's ready to play. He played against the best defense in the Pac-12 all year last year. Yeah. Every week, every day. So he's ready to go. And he it's not like he's been nursing an injury. He was ready to come back his sophomore year from head taken that job so his body has been sound and ready to go for he's healthy two years he's ready yeah you know so he's feeling good about it yeah if you're gonna give a letter grade to the defensive line what would you give it and why defensive line i'd give the defensive line probably an a minus they played really really well They, they they had a big task keeping barrier contained the kid can run uh there was a couple of times that we blitzed him with uh, Miles Bryant coming off the edge, he broke containment, and you saw him gash us in that defense. But other than that, I mean, that kid ran all over teams last year yeah. and has the ability to do that every week. Yeah. So keeping him contained was really, really hard for that defense to do. And they did it probably 95% of the time. Oh, yeah. And that's not why I gave them an A+, because he did break containment every once in a while. But that's what that kid's going to do. Yeah. So an A minus. I mean, that defensive line, they they balled out, man. How about the linebacking? Linebacking core was a little bit tougher. I'd say probably a B B straight. Okay. For the first time in a long time, this defense, the the, the linebacking core has depth, which is going to be really nice this year because the last couple of years, all you saw were two guys out there all the time, yeah. especially in the middle linebacking role. You barely saw Joe Tryon yesterday. Yeah, he missed. He had a. He tried to get an arm tackle on one point. I think he's showing that right now that he's still got some development when it comes to run, uh, stopping the run. Yeah, and he's more of that. He's a specialist. Rusher, right? Yeah, yeah. But his body screams he can do both yes. eventually. So linebacker core, you know, they're gonna you're gonna continue to see them rotate Latu yeah. in and and. 
Tafisi in, and uh, you know you're gonna see you're gonna see those two starters out there all the time. You're gonna see Jackson Sermon come in quite a bit. I'm really surprised you didn't give him an A just because Jackson Sermon's. Uh, did you see his uh, the the pad on his shoulder that he had sticking out the cowboy pad? <laughs> did he, dude? <laughs> Number 43, uh, big boy with I the old cowboy it. pad. I, I love it. I uh-huh. wore that when I played football. Yeah. <laughs> and he stopped when he was in high school. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, love, I love that linebacking court, man. I think they're going to be fun to watch this year. You want to move on to corners? Yep, corners. Corners, C. You know, if, if, you broke it down into, if you broke it down into nickel corner, A+. plus. But as a whole unit, I give the Nick the whole cornerback unit a C. Uh, you you really watched Kyler Gordon get kind of burned quite a bit. Um, Keith Taylor gave up that long touchdown. Kyler Gordon, <laughs> couple of uh, pass interference calls, couple of uh, long throws completed on him. That kid is athletic, man. He just needs to learn the fundamentals of co- playing cornerback for this team, which will happen. Oh. But. But it's just he's gonna he needs to learn, um, but man Elijah Molden a plus by himself yeah I I think the two best players on the defense were Elijah Molden and I thought and Elijah Molden my, yeah <laughs> um, um, Miles had a, a really good day as well he tackled really well Miles Rice yeah oh dude my, he led the team I mean, in tackles I mean you knew Miles Bryant was gonna ball mm-hmm. out right the mm-hmm. only reason the only he didn't lose his cornerback job his yeah, nickel cornerback job he he they they had an overabundance of yeah. riches at that particular spot Elijah Molden has to play Elijah Molden has to play. You saw it on Saturday. The kid is too damn good not to play all the time. Yeah. So you have a kid like a, I mean you. My favorite play of the game. It was a it was a bubble screen to the wide receiver. Um, Elijah Molden is in the backfield and read it before the play even developed. Overran it trying to get the interception. Barry made a good play by not throwing it, but he threw it, completed it, and Miles Bryant blew the kid yeah. up. That, and yeah. those two, it, that was the funnest play to watch all game mm-hmm. because both of them read that play perfectly. Yeah. And, and both guys are going to be the best players on that defense for most of the year. It's going to be hard. You know, this year I got to pick a new MVP because Greg Gaines is playing in Los Angeles. That's going to be tough. I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, I'll, you I'll find I, I'll, one. You know what? I'll still let you pick Greg Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'll, I'll miss him forever. Um, but those two, man, uh, they're going to be. They're going to be hard to throw on. I might pick Elijah Molden every week. He's going to be a tough one not to pick. Or Miles Bryant. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I picked Miles Bryant a lot last year. You did, and you. It's funny because you. I dogged him early in the year. It's funny because you know you 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 got an ego on you, but you're <laughs> me, moi. <laughs> <laughs> but you're willing to to, to eat it to eat crow on that. I, I have to, and because if, if I didn't, nobody would listen to this podcast. You hear that, <laughs> Dad? Stubborn son of a. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, Moving on from defense, let's go to offense. Offensive line, let, let's get your grade, Trev. I'll give them a, a solid B. Um, if I would to go position by position, there were definitely guys that deserve an A on that offensive line. The two tackles on each side, Hilbers and Trey, they were great. Yeah. Um, Trey Adams looks healthy. He looks strong, like he's strong, cold. and he's he's got his wind back. Because yeah. there were some times last year where he looked a little slow when he came back from that injury, which makes sense, right? I mean, there were lo- there were leg injuries, 
Um, he there were plays where he was blocking three or four guys on a uh, on on runs to that outside. Um, you have to give him a really good grade because the running backs did so well. Yeah. Um, the there, I think Mateo Mele is a really really good offensive lineman. I'm glad that Nick Harris. It sounds like he's going to be all right and he's going to be good to go. You're going to um, need him, especially uh, against Cal. Yeah, yeah. Having Harris back will be huge. And um, Luke Wattenberg, uh, I think that maybe he's going to be put on notice a little bit. Uh, when there was some penetration, it was usually coming from Wattenberg's position. So you could see a brawler like Melee moving over there. Um, but, uh, you know, a high B definitely. That's, uh, I, I think we both are under the understanding that quarterback is going to get an A. A plus plus plus. Yes. Um, oh God. I, n- not enough said. Yeah. Um, running backs. Do you want to go individual grade? Do you want to go as a unit? As a unit, I think they should probably get an A. I would agree with you. Um, I think Richard Newton. Um, he gets an A. Yeah. Uh, I think that Sean McGroop. He in limited touches looked really good. He caught the ball out of the backfield a couple times. He looked good. Savon Ahmed, even though people are kind of a little bit dogging for what he did, he's still he was pretty efficient. There's definitely some things that he needs to do Effic- better. Efficient. When I think of efficiency, I don't think of 2.7 yards a game, a touch. Yeah, and maybe it's just because they won, so I'm not really that worried. And overall, the ground game was good. Um, when I and I guess efficient's also the wrong word because. You know, every time he touches the ball, you get excited. Sure, so you're because really there's open. the possibility of a, of a breakout touchdown. Exactly. And, you know, you saw it on the one play where he mm-hmm. had to tiptoe the sideline. It didn't, it didn't yeah. work. He was gone if he had stayed in. Yeah. But that was his longest run of the day. I think yeah. It was like a 19-yarder or something like that. Yeah, and, and that's – it's it's hard to say. He's one of those guys like – you. You want the ball in his hand because you know what he can do. Yeah, he has the potential all the time. But he's got he's he's got to be more consistent. Wide receivers, if you don't give this group an A plus, I'm going. I'm again. You're gonna have a red hand mark on the other side of your face. <laughs> so please don't. Um, I thought that they get an A plus. You're right. Um, there's some things though that I would really like to see them not do. Uh, or do more of. I think that you know that Andre Pacelli is very, very, very fast, but he's a straight line guy. Yeah, he's a burner. He's yeah, he's a go route. S- I don't want to see him or Aaron Fuller catching uh, tunnel screens anymore. Yeah. When you have Chico McClatcher, uh, Trey Lowe didn't play in this game because he's sick. He had some sort yeah. of infection. Yeah. So those are the guys I want catching those tunnel screens. Sure. Yeah. Understandable. Keep, yep. And keep. Let let them play to their strength. This was the game to test You're exactly your boundaries. Right. Yep, um, I think Bacelli, He's this is his fourth year. We know exactly who he is. If you, same as Fuller. Uh, I think they're different in the sense as Fuller's a lot better catching those fifty fifty balls. Is is Fuller is Fuller an elite wide receiver? And, and I don't mean in the Pac twelve. Is is Fuller an elite national wide receiver? He has elite. He has elite skills. Um, his um, his catchability is elite. His separation is not. Um, Are you sure? No. Because he separated quite a bit a couple of times. Yeah, I think I'd he- like to see it more consistently. He he makes his his catchability when the ball he doesn't drop the ball. 
Um, I think he's elite in, in that sense. Um, I think he's a really, really good route runner. Um, but I think, I don't know. Uh, that's He's a really, really good college wide receiver. I wish he was taller. Yeah, that's about the only knock on yeah. him, though. Um, yeah. And you kind of have to clump in Hunter Bryant with this group as well. Uh, a plus. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Dude, the dude, tight ends in general. Kate Auden had a great game. Yeah, dudes are good. Oh, my God. Dudes are good. So, uh, Hunter Bryant, uh, that's what we've been waiting for as UW fans, right? Oh, my gosh. You yes. know, that game, Yeah. the Ohio State game, yep. late in the game is what we were waiting for. Um, when and, he and, walks around on the – or when he's running across the middle, especially against an FCS opponent – he looks so much bigger than every single defensive player that they have. Um, he looks like an NFL player. Yeah, yeah, he's ready right now. Yeah. All right, so who's your offensive MVP? My offensive MVP is going to be Aaron Fuller. We just brought him up. Um, he didn't have the biggest numbers, five catches, 73 yards. But those two touchdown oh. grabs are stupid insane. The skill sets that he shows on the, the one-hander and the one in the corner – um, nobody else on that team could have made those catches. That, those those were Aaron Fuller catches, and that's it. And they were incredible catches. Also, another elite part of his game is his body control. Yes, just, his, his his toe tapping. Stupid good. Yep. What about um, you? Uh, mine. I took the easy way out. I went Jacob Eason. Um, <laughs> I I the, the, this this guy. Um, the only thing I can liken it to after. The quarterback play that we've been watching, and we're not going to bash Jake Browning because we love what Jake Browning did, bringing us back to where we are. And he was a very good quarterback. But I'll always think of it as a kid. I loved Gary Payton, and then when Gary Payton was traded, I was really, really upset. And I knew who Ray Allen was. Um, I knew he was a shooter. I knew he scored a lot. He you knew he was in he got game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know who he is. Um, but I, I'll always remember that first game of his career for Seattle, he went and I'd never seen somebody shoot like that um, off the dribble or um, in, in rhythm. In rhythm. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he hit everything. Yeah. And that's what it was like watching Eason. From Browning last year. Eason stuff, yeah, even stuff like throwing the ball to the flat. Yeah. The ball got there the so zip. quickly. Yep. Holy cow. He that, looks like a totally – he looks like an NFL quarterback. That's a really good reference too because mm-hmm. I, I think – Looking at social media this week, there's a lot of, man, we told you Easton was going to be so much better than Browning. Browning was never going to be the guy, this, that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we lost sight of the fact that Browning did bring us back to national relevance. Oh, yeah. And Easton is going to take that torch, and he's going to take us one step higher. And that's what college programs do. You know, if you go to especially like a, a program that's building like Washington or even like I even go smaller scales. Um, some of these smaller schools, they recruit kids, they get them there, they develop them, they get them to a point where they can get better recruits, and then you can shake their hand and say, "Thank you for what you did." Yes, we're now going to take that step off of the foundation that you laid. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a that's a really really big accomplishment. Um, who's your defensive MVP? It's got to be Elijah Molden. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it. We we touched on him a little bit earlier. Uh, great coverage all day. Yeah. Um, in the backfield, made a tackle for loss. Dude's flying around like he was a safety when, in fact, he was a nickel. Uh, I think with this defense, I think they give the nickel a little bit more free roam than they get those outside guys. Yep. But uh, 
it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch him play, and there's a reason that they had to get him on the field right now because he is ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. He made that transition from Miles Bryant to Elijah Molden very seamless, very easy. It looks like an upgrade. It does look like yeah. an upgrade. Um, my defensive MVP is Benning Potawai. The move inside uh, was a success, at least in this first game. He looked so good. Um collapsing the pocket, getting in the backfield. He had four total tackles. Three of them were for loss, and two of them were sacks. Yeah, um, he, he if, looks the part. That scares me. Yeah. They, that, that defensive line. Does it scare you, or does it make you a little bit excited? I feel, like in in, I feel like I'm back in like the seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> Jay, so this year we're going to do something different. We're going to say players that are put on notice. Um, this is a player who didn't have their best game and because of the talent behind them, the depth behind them should be looking over their shoulder to uh, be worried. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Don't You're not going to lose your job yet. I but mean, obviously, nervous. but be yeah. nervous. Yeah. Play better. Yeah. Who's your notice? Uh, offensive side, man. It's, <laughs> I hate to say it, but Savon Ahmed. Yeah. Uh, me, and, me and Trev actually talked on the phone for a little while yesterday after the game. And uh, we talked about this new segment, Players on Notice, and I told him who mine were, and uh, he agreed. Savon Ahmed, man, uh, 15 carries for 44 yards, averaged 2.9 yards a carry with a long of nine. The one that, the one that he broke was a screen pass. Oh, it was. It was. So, you know, you, you touched up on it. He has the ability to break a long one every time he touches the ball. But he doesn't look to be the guy that can run inside the tackles very well. He, he doesn't look like he's a guy that can break through a lot of arm tackles. Um, Richard Newton, Dick Newton, he looks the part. You know, he, uh, Newton, man, 12 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown, that long touchdown. He averaged 7.6 yards an attempt. That's, that's a lot better numbers. He looks the part. He's big, strong, physical kid. Could be really good. Uh, Ahmed, you're on notice, bud. I I didn't want to talk about Richard Newton too much until we got to this point because that guy looks looks all the part of um, a LeVon Coleman. Yeah. Um, and I think he's probably got a higher ceiling than LeVon Coleman, but his body type looks like an NFL running back. He He's a big, strong kid. His shoulders... He looks like a DN. And you watch the other uh, Pleasant got touches. McGrew. Uh, McGrew got touches and uh, Savon. And the way that Newton kept his balance on first contact, moved forward after first contact, and the balance that he showed was was on a different level than the other yeah, other three. And the absolutely. one that I'm just all, I'm just so bummed about because I thought he was gonna be he was gonna end up being a bruiser for us is Kamari Pleasant that it just seems like every time he's touched, he's down. And with Cam Davis, who's also looked good in fall camp, I just don't know what touches there are for him. Yeah. Um, well, maybe he'll get lost in the shuffle. He probably will. I mean, he's going to get a Washington degree out of it, so I guess <laughs> it's not all Life's bad. not too bad. Yeah, exactly. With no student debt. So my guy on watch this week is Kyler Gordon 
Um, overall, he probably pay, played pretty well. Yep. He um, he got burned a couple times. The two the 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 pass interference were bad. They looked. He got. Uh, he got torched. He got torched on one, and a the other move. one. Yeah, he totally bit on the move. Yeah, and he just had to grab him by the belt. Yeah, and I can't remember the last time I saw that blatant of a. I got burned. I have to grab this guy from a Washington defensive back. Yeah, uh, it's it's out of character. He is so athletic and so good with his feet that I. The only reason I put him up there is because of how talented that room is. Trent McDuffie looked great. Dom Hampton had a pick six go through his hands. Yeah, uh, I think with the amount of talent that's in this room, if you don't show out, um, you have a chance of of losing your job. Yeah, uh, Kylie even, Gordon. Yeah, you're on watch. Here it comes. Here, you're, you're watch your back, man, yeah. because they're, everybody else is hungry. That's right. So we also, uh, before we move on to to Cal, we have a really really great interview f- with Jamie from the Dogcast. They're the longest running podcast in the universe uh, from the University of Georgia. They're part of the Big Heads Media Network, and we had them on to talk about Georgia's perspective of Jacob Eason. All right, Husky fans, we got a special treat for you. We got Jamie from the Dogcast. Uh, they're affiliated with the University of Georgia football program. Uh, Jamie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm Jamie Goodman with the Dogcast podcast coming right out of Athens, Georgia. We are the original Georgia Bulldogs podcast live since 2005. Awesome. And they also are affiliated with Big Heads Media as well. Um, Jamie, what is the general consensus from Georgia fans and media about Jacob Eason as a quarterback? And does anybody hold a grudge against the kid for leaving the program? As a quarterback, I think we'd all say Jacob has got a very – very, very talented arm. I mean, the kid just came in and was able to throw it all over the field. Watching him as a freshman, I was really excited to see him mature and see how he would progress under Kirby Smart and how far he'd take our program. We all thought that Jacob had a really high ceiling. As far as potentially being some kind of grudge, there's not, there's not one, not whatsoever. Jacob handled a really tough situation with maturity and a lot of class. It's hard not to want to pull for a kid to succeed that's been in those situations. He feels this this situation is best for him now, and you know Jacob's got a lot of a lot of University of Georgia fans pulling for him this year. Awesome. Can you compare uh, Jacob Eason to Jake Fromm as far as their skill sets? And did you support keeping Fromm over Eason as a starter? Yeah, the, they're about as opposite as two high-level QBs can possibly be, in my opinion. Jacob, a smart kid, relied a lot on his physical ability more times than not. When he lets the ball go, you can see why he had all the hype. Jake, on the other hand, he relies on his ability to survey a defense, set up a high-percentage play, and just make sure he put us in the best position to succeed without making a mistake this is the laser rocket arm versus the photographic memory the one that throws 
into windows hardly big enough to get the ball. And the other kid that basically knows what you're going to do two or three steps before you do it. Just the tale of two different kids, both bringing high-level talent to the field. Was, uh, was from being a local kid, uh, did that sway in one direction how you felt about the quarterback battle? I don't think it did at all. In this case, it was more of sticking with what was working. Kirby goes all over the country to find his recruits. He's not – the best kid is from Georgia. He's going to take the kid from Georgia. If the best kid for us is from Florida, California, or even Washington, he's going to try his best to get that kid to Athens, Georgia. I don't think it played a role at all. I think it was – for Jacob, just an unfortunate situation where he went out so early. He went out the first drive of our first game, and Jacob stepped in and went in, went in without a hitch. He was able to keep us going and get us on a run towards the national championship. So I, it was it was just a timing thing more than anything else. Do you think? Do you think that uh, maybe it was? The fact that Eason was not a Kirby Smart recruit, do you think that that swayed Kirby Smart's direction at all as far as I didn't recruit this kid originally, I recruited From, he's my guy, so, I mean, yeah, From was hot at the time, but do you think that that had anything to do with that, or just purely you guys were playing great football and that was clearly the right direction? Yeah, we were playing great football. Kirby worked real hard to keep the commitment of Jacob Eason once Mark Rick was fired. And, I mean, he put a lot of time and effort into really persuading Jacob that the vision of his program is something in line with what Jacob Eason wanted as a player. So I don't think at all it had anything to do with who was the initial recruiter. There wasn't a coaching staff in the country that didn't want to try, wasn't trying to recruit Jacob Eason when he was in high school. So he knew him from Alabama. They tried to recruit him there. Uh, Kirby is – I mean, winning is his, his, his motto. So I just don't think – I think if the best player is a walk-on, that's who gets the ball. Um, and for us, at that time, the hot hand. Jake was just getting it done. So I, I really would have liked to have seen it play out in 2018 had he stuck around. So I think it would have been a heck of a battle going forward. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Fromm was a scrub as far as a, as a recruit goes. You know, he wasn't a two- or three-star guy. He was a highly-ranked four-star guy. So it's not like Eason just went out there and lost the, the job to – some some nobody kid. I mean, the kid was the kid was somebody special, and he he had the ability to play right away. So. Wasn't he a five star? Depending on the publication, ah. I think Rivals had him at a five star. On the twenty four seven composite, he was a very high four star. So he he wasn't quite a four a five star, but he was what the third or third number one, third rated quarterback in the country, something like that. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's not like some kid that really shouldn't be out there just took Jacob Eason's job. And I don't feel like it's a case where his job was taken at all. It was just a situation that played out 
Jake was there and had the ability to do to do it. So it's hard to, to shy away from that when you see where we're headed. Now, because of the situation and how it went down, what is Georgia fans feelings towards Jacob Eason as he goes forward in his career at Washington? Oh, Jacob Eason has nothing but Georgia fans. Like I said, the way he handled this situation on the way out was unlike most kids his age. There was no grabbing my ball and going home and lip poked out. Jacob did everything that was asked of him from the time he came back to the day he left. So you have a kid like that, he, he doesn't lose any support. The only time I think a Georgia fan is going to root against Jacob Eason is potentially maybe if we can meet up this year in New Orleans. Oh. <laughs> We'd be okay with that. I like the way you're thinking. Hey, yeah, I mean, there's nothing but love for Jacob. Awesome. So as far as Eason and his talent level and his skill set, how far do you think he can carry a team like Washington College Football? Do you think it's like a mediocre bowl, like my fa- my personal favorite, the Cheez-It Bowl, um, a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe a short playoff run like Browning did with us against Alabama a couple years back? Or do you think he has the skill set to take this team to potentially battle for a national championship? I'm going to ask you guys a question so, so I can answer this the best way possible. You guys lost several players on well, this defensive unit is going to be for Jacob. Are they going to be able to get the job done for him on their side of the ball? Yeah, and, and we actually just touched up on that a little bit last week. This defense, they don't, they don't retool, they reload. Um, they reload. Okay, know, reload. Our, de- our defensive backs, just keep, we keep producing more and more and more first and second round talents. Uh, right, and, and we there's no stopping that right now. It's it's just going to continue to happen. Um, I I honestly think our defense is going to be better than it was last year. We're a little bit younger, but we have more talent. Right. Well, if, if that's the case for your defensive unit, I think Jacob could easily take you to a New Year's Six Bowl or even beyond. I mean. And, and I, it's hard for me to say, well, I think he's going to take you to the playoffs because there's so many factors that go into actually getting into one of those games. I mean, you can be one of the four best teams in the nation when it's time to go. And if something happened in week six that kind of you stumbled, you might not make it. Um, I really felt like we deserve to be there after our SEC championship loss last year. Um but we didn't. So, yeah, if everything – if the defensive side of the ball for you guys work out, I, I think you at least get to a New Year's Six Bowl and all likelihood to the college football playoff. As a school in the Pac-12, we would like to hear what the SEC take is on the Pac-12. What is your general consensus on what the Pac-12 is from down south? For me – the Pac-12 has, has never – USC's big years, of course, it was all in the media everywhere. But down here in SEC country, it's hard to get media time. So in the past, you, you see a team here and there in it. But this season, 
I'm starting to see expectations being set by more teams than just USC, Oregon, and sometimes in the past, Stanford. Utah's getting a lot of coverage. Looks like they should probably be a clear favorite in the South, while Washington and Oregon get a ton of coverage. It looks like they're going to battle for the North. Uh, a couple storylines I'm reading from from our part of the country is an Eason versus Herbert battle for all the marbles. What I'm seeing is, is some very interesting storylines for you guys this year for the pack as a whole. I mean, with Eason and Herbert going head up, you've got Kelly making, you know, back for a second year in UCLA. UCLA, Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are plenty of things to talk about that make the, make the news down here and in years past it just didn't happen so i think it's on the upswing and and i'm going to take advantage of this right now since you're on a husky football podcast who do you think is going to win the north who do i think is going to win the north uh i'm torn (laughs) i'm i'm I, i really am torn Every, I, I'm going to go with Washington. Everybody's – I've never bought into Oregon all the way. Good. Good. I, I feel like they always they, – they get the – they've got cool uniforms, so they get the most <laughs> media coverage. Sure. I mean, they do, they do they, on the West Coast as well. Right. Well, I could only imagine. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying they don't produce any talent uh, at all, but I mean, j- just for me, they're they're more they're just more of a gimmick. I, I think that they get caught up in that gimmick sometimes, and, and 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 a real football team when they finally face that real football team, they stumble, and I, that's what's going to happen this year. Perfect, awesome. That's good to hear. You had me a little worried there for a second. You took a long breath. I. I well, I mean, it, to be fair, I wanted to really think about how it could it could play out. And I mean, they've got a great quarterback, and, and, but you guys have a great quarterback. Yeah, I, I truly believe that it's going to come down to just one game between the you know the two of those schools. And I don't I don't think Stanford's right. out of the running really either. So I mean, the the Pac-12 North is definitely a lot more competitive than the South itself. I, like, oh, absolutely. But I, I don't think Stanford's going to compete with you guys this year. Yeah, hopefully not, because me and Trevor are going down to uh, down to Palo Alto to watch the, the Huskies play. So hopefully we go in there and and take them out pretty easy. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's a, definitely a winnable game. Um, they're they're all winnable games for you guys. Here's here's going to be the key: how quickly you guys can get in there and gel and mature together. And I think if that happens early on, y'all probably y'all. I mean, it's a great shot of just running the table. That'd be perfect. And then we will see you in the Pac-12 or the uh, playoff. Absolutely. And hey, that's that's what I want to see. That'd be perfect. We're going to have to have you on again later in the year when we play each other in championship. Then, huh? Yeah, we'll have to do a home and home. Perfect. We'll get you guys ours. We'll come on yours, and we'll talk about it. Maybe, hey, you never know. We might even go live from New Orleans. Per, I, I like the way you're thinking, Jamie. I appreciate this, man. Do you want to give yourself a little bit of credentials? Tell us about your uh, about your Twitter and all your social media accounts. 
Absolutely. Twitter is where we do most of our business. You can follow us or find us at the Dogcast, D-A-W-G-C-A-S-T. Or you can find me at, at Jamie Goodman, G, excuse me, J-A-M-E-Y-G-O-O-D-M-A-N. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jamie. We'll look forward to having you on again later in the year, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having hey, me. Go dogs, right? Go dogs. Thanks. There's some really kind words from uh, from SEC country about Jacob Eason. They they obviously harbor no hard feelings towards him. They're rooting for him up here. Uh, after talking with Jamie, uh, that guy's a class act. He's been doing this for a long time, and uh, uh, he knows a special quarterback when he sees one. Yeah, it's nice that um, you know Eason left on a good note. There's not a lot of hatred towards him. You know, fans get caught up sometimes when kids leave. And they lose sight of kind of why the kid left. It's just the fact that he left the program. Um, George is not hurting anyways. You know, they're in a really good spot. So um, for him to understand that and understand that Eason was good enough to go somewhere and make a name for himself, not being on their bench is pretty classy. Yeah, I agree. And I liked what he said about that it's not necessarily that Jake Fromm necessarily beat him out. It's that when you got a quarterback that's hot and rolling, you're not gonna you're not gonna take a guy out when he's rolling through the regular season like that. It makes total sense. For sure, me. for sure. Real quick, for all our listeners, we did our podcast. We did half of our podcast before me and Trevor did a fantasy football draft. Okay, and then we took a break. And now we're back after we drafted our fantasy football teams. Trevor came to my house in Arlington from Vancouver. He drafted 90% of his team. About round 14, Trevor has to leave. His wife's pregnant. She wants to get home. Completely understandable. I had no problem drafting the rest of his team. But Trevor... You left your team in the wrong hands, my friend, because not only did you need a backup quarterback, but who was available, but rather than an Oregon Duck. And I can honestly say that I had so much joy putting an Oregon Duck on your team, my friend. I, you know, I saw that and I was really annoyed. <laughs> um I mean, you other know, than the fact that he's not a great NFL quarterback. Did you know it was on purpose? You, I did. And what were the, the last thing I said to you? I, I leaned over. You were sitting in your chair. I whispered in here so no one else could hear. The only thing I asked you to do was draft who for me. The best available defense? Nope. Oh. Uh, Marcus Mariota? No. Um, oh, John Ross. I said, just make sure you draft John Ross for me. And I, I got to go. I did. And I appreciated that. But technically, you drafted John Ross after you drafted Marcus Mariota. Don't like that. <laughs> you know, Jake and I went down to the Oregon-Washington game uh, in Peterson's first year. It was, I think it was his first year when uh, – Marcus Mariota was there, and my wife is, was born in Springfield, 
grew up in Springfield, went to football games her entire life. So she's, she's an Oregon fan and she got so annoyed with Jake <laughs> because Jake kept calling him Marcus mediocre. <laughs> it was so good at the time because oh, yeah. we were, we, for like the first half of the first quarter, we were competitive it was a good first quarter. Yeah, and we were playing good, and I started taunting everybody, and then I shut up <laughs> because yeah, they, that was pretty much they it. ran us out of the field. And uh, yeah, but really I mean, I thought it was funny. I did too. Um, my wife didn't. Um, she's she doesn't she, uh, she doesn't think a lot of things I do are funny. <laughs> she thinks some of the things you do are funny. I think she, I think she looks at you like a fine wine, like you've gotten better with age. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, anyhow, yeah. Thank you for uh, thank you for getting me John Ross, and I'll be quickly uh, <laughs> dropping Marcus when I, I get on my ESP. I thought about getting cool. I wondered where you were going to go with that, and I uh, I I noticed that you drafted Marcus Mariota, and I was like, oh, that sucks, and I didn't even think about the fact that you're so vindictive that you might have done that on purpose. Trevor, I'm petty. <laughs> My whole family's petty. No, I'm petty. This isn't new. That was pretty awesome. This isn't that new. Was, that was a good one. That was a very subtle jab. <laughs> uh, so, and usually subtlety is not my forte. So that was... Uh, no, you're... Checkers are records, it, baby. It hit me in the heat of the moment, and it was too good to pass up. Did everybody laugh when you took it? Yeah, because they know you. I yeah, yeah. So do we want to talk about college football again today, or you know maybe talk? Pre- I guess you want to preview Cal, maybe. Let's get it done, huh? Let's. All right. So Cal is one and zero. They defeated uh, University of California Davis. Um, the Aggies are a pretty good FCS school, and Cal struggled with them. End of the first quarter, it was ten to nothing. UC Davis. At halftime, they were up three. They ended up winning 27-13. It was not because of Chase. Uh, Chase Garbers didn't have that bad of a game statistically, but it was a pretty ugly game to watch. I think the player of the game for them was Christopher Brown. He had almost 200 yards, five and a half yards of carry with a touchdown. So um, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they really leaned on him, you know, early on. You saw things weren't clicking for Garbers, and uh, Cal needed to do something because they – I mean, I don't know if that game was really – going down like that was probably a shock to their system, but I don't know if that game sure. was ever really going to be lost by Cal. Cal's just better. Well, that's probably what Tennessee thought as well. Well, yeah, and and but previous to that, when's the last time you saw an FCS school shock the nation – and pull off a big time upset. I have it on. I mean, the, I in have, the Pac-12. No, 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 no. I'm thinking nationally. Oh boy, uh, you have it up. Uh, uh, no, just in my brain, it's Appalachian State taking down Michigan. Oh, that was 12 years ago today. Was it today? We're recording on. Yeah, it popped up on something I was looking at. Yeah, so, September September 3rd. So I mean, yeah, it happens, but. Cal was, Cal was never going to lose that game. But going down like that and knowing, noticing that Garbers didn't have that juice early on, he needed to settle down. What better way than to give your running back 
36 carries. Right. Lean on it. That's a lot of carries. That's a ton of carries. He's going to be tired, which is nice. You know, put a, put a lot of run on him. Make Garber's throw against that secondary. I can dig it. Yeah, and the uh, the Cal defense was as good as advertised. Recovered a fumble. Let's see. UC Davis to 181 yards through the air. No touchdowns. Yeah. And 83 yards on the ground. Yeah. So the defense, of course, won the day for them. That's sure. That's going to be their calling card of our year. And, but they and good. Well, they they gave up 13 points to a UC Davis team. I mean, those numbers aren't great. The passing and the rushing yards given up what they gave up, but that's 200 yards to an FCS school, and now they have to turn around and play a five-star quarterback that legitimately looks the part, even though he played in FCS school. That FCS school is better than the one that Cal just played. And Eason didn't shrink. There was a lot of pressure going onto Eason's shoulders into that game. We touched on that earlier. Eason showed up in a big-time way. And even though Cal's defense looks really good, we can still score against anybody in the Pac-12. I agree. Uh, I will point out that their one touchdown that they had, it was four plays, 21 yards. So I didn't. I admittedly didn't watch the Cal game. Shows me that probably their offense put them in a tough spot. Um, Unfortunately, this defense is good and advertised. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think their offense is probably going to do that a lot to their defense this year, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their their offense is so bad. Yeah. And I I know that the you know thirty six carries two hundred yards. That's that's a pretty impressive stat line, but. Ah, uh, man, with Washington's defense, I think they're going to be able to just stack the box. They're going to be able to sit on routes that Garber's going to be able to uh, complete. And I think it's going to be a really, really long day for Cal for, on the offensive side. For Cal to win, what's a comfortable number of points that they would have to score? Cal? Yes. 21. Nope. A comfortable win. No, 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 no. Not a comfortable win, but how many points would Cal have to put up for you to say that they won that game? 24? So if Cal scores anything less than 24, you don't think they win? Uh, No, I don't. Do you think Cal's able to put up 24 against us? No, I don't. Yeah, I I don't see – unless – there's two pick sixes in, in in repeat of last year. I don't see their offense scoring 24 points against this defense. I don't. There's no way their offense is going to score 24 points. Um, uh, just when it comes to the pass rush, sure. the caliber of athlete, it's he's not going to be able to sit back there and complete 75% of his passes with if our running back struggle with, uh, you know, putting the ball on the ground. I could see something. Um, Eason showed me nothing that he's going to throw a bunch of interceptions. Yeah. Um, but he's going to have more pressure on him in this game. He's right. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to make some better plays. But if his – the demeanor coming onto the field with Jacob Eason is the same regardless if he's playing – Eastern Washington, if and if he was when he played Alabama, 
the guy's the guy's cool and calm and he knows that he's really good. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And he's got a calming presence about him. He plays um he just makes decisive throws and I think maybe that's a better word than calm is he's really decisive. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um I there was one play where I didn't see him being decisive and he kind of just hucked the ball up in the air and unfortunately it landed in between a couple of defenders but he got hit on that one right yeah but that's that's the only play I can remember from the game and I've watched the game like three times already um that's the only play of the game that I watched and went oh okay yeah he does that against a cow that's that's picked right yeah I mean that's kind of I mean it's it's also just kind of luck of where guys are at the time sure you know out of all the plays that he made one indecisive play isn't going to lose us the game against cal it will against maybe bama or georgia um but not against cal cal's defense is really really good but our defense is really really good and cal can't come out there and just walk all over us on offense i don't know how california is going to move the ball i they're going to have to run. They, they I mean, they're didn't, going to have to they run. They didn't move, but they didn't do well last year. I mean, they no. They won the game without scoring an offensive touchdown. Washington's defense essentially stopped them, and, and I think they're – I just don't think they have the talent to um, expose the younger talent that Washington has out there as they're learning how to work together and, and gel as a unit. Sure. I, the only way that I see them moving the ball on us is if they're able to run, which opens up play action for them. Because any other way, they're not throwing on us unless our corners and our linebackers have to suck in to play against the run. If they're gashing us for big-time runs, then I'm going to start to get a little bit nervous. The thing about it, though, is if it, doesn't, it, it does matter to open up those lanes with the play action. But if Chase Garbers, who's shown he can't make all the throws, that puts him at a disadvantage where the defensive backs have to focus on less and less of the field where I think that regardless of what happens on the ground, he's not going to be very effective. Yeah. We're too talented, and plus his uh, limitations are going to stop him from being able to do some of those things that are going to open up the lanes that he can make throws into. And frankly, dude, this defensive line is freaking scary. I don't know how many running lanes there's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a limited amount of game that we saw, you know, one game against an FCS school to me. Yeah. That, that defense looks ready to go right now, especially the defensive line. They look big, they look stout, they look hungry. It's kind of, everything you want in a defensive line right now, especially after last year where we didn't have any depth. Yeah, I think, I think that's really a really good point. I'm assuming Cal's offensive scheme, their game plan for the week is going to be to try to win the, the field position battle as much as possible and rely on that defense to put them in um, some plus territory. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think that if the reality is going 75 yards against this defense with that offense isn't going to happen very often. 
Yeah, and that's a great point. That was actually my next point is time of possession battle. And yeah. it, it, they don't they, – they can't just win it. It has to be lopsided. They have to win it by 10-plus minutes to, to control the game and to control the clock, which means running the ball against us all day. I just don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. Um, on the other side of it, you know, that defense is really good. I'm just wondering what, how they're going to, I think that their corners can probably cover our senior receivers. I think they're going to have a huge problem with Hunter Bryant in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Bryant. And I think that our, our Kate Otten. that, and I think our bubble screen actions going to pay its dividends this week, which eventually will pay dividends as in, they're going to have to play up tight, and that's when Easton's going to burn them up over the top. I think early in the game, you're probably going to see a lot of, a lot of early Chico bubble screen action, uh, maybe some Bacelli bubble screen action. As much as you don't want to I see hope that, not I know, I know. As as much as you don't want to, they're going to get him the ball, him and Fuller. Um, sure. Which is going to I wouldn't o- mind Fuller over the middle, like crossing routes and stuff like that. No, I love, I, that. I love the I love the Aaron Fuller crossing routes. So I think that's when he's at his best. But to get that open against that secondary, you need to get them corners sucked in tight. Yeah, body shot, body shot, body shot, then go for a haymaker. Exactly. So this is maybe even get a little puka sighting. Maybe I'd love to. I mean, but this isn't going to be a fast-paced offensive game for us. We're going to have, like you said, we're going to have to hit the body over and over and over, and we might not score the first couple possessions, but we're going to lay the groundwork to be able to score against this defense. I think that's a good point, and I think that Eason is the quarterback that's going to be able to to take the top off that defense. Well, take the top off the defense, but also allow for those intermediate, you know, where you know it's second and five, third and one, just five, four, five, six yard pass completions to get him because just the way that he velocity he gets on the ball. And how quickly it gets to the receiver, I think that's going to help him to when they want to take the top off the defense, he's going to be in really a really good position to get that done. Absolutely, and and I think that's the best probably part about Eason is he's not. You made the joke earlier about Kyle Bowler. <laughs> Kyle Bowler in my head, uh, Cal quarter, quarterback actually, which is ironic. Yep. Um, yep. Was really good at the deep ball. But that was it. He got drafted. What would throw seventy five yards from his knees? That was his big thing. Yeah, but that was it for Kyle Bowler. He could he right. he could throw a phenomenal deep ball, but there was no intermediate or short routes for him. He had no touch. Everything was a line drive. There, it, no accuracy. Eason has the arm strength of probably more so than Kyle Bowler, but um, he has the ability to put touch on a ball finesse it where he needs to finesse it. He he can hit those he can hit those bubble screens where he's hitting guys right in the chest when they're in stride. That's I mean, that's a talent, you know, because for a bubble screen to work, receivers can't be picking balls up off the turf and get up and run because by the time they get back up from picking the ball up off the turf, the play's blown up. You know, it's all I'm gonna about- take you back to a dark place 
Do you remember watching Siler Miles throw a ball? I to don't the flat? take. Don't take. I'm. I'm. Not, <laughs> I'm in a good mood, Trev. So, it would take about seventeen just the wind up on that guy to get the ball just to the flat. Man, shit on Mickens. It's like please, 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 please. Yeah. it's about to get blown up. Goodness. It's nice to see this. It is. And with a ball on the money, too. Oh, yeah. Trav, you just ruined my whole podcast night. I was so happy. But think about where, we're ha- think about where we've come. I was so happy. <laughs> you drafted Marcus Mariota for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Touche. I'd rather, I, I would rather have Marcus Mariota on my fantasy team than have to think about Siler Miles for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm not kidding. Anything else you want to so, talk about, Cal? I think we've covered it. Good defense, bad offense. They got a better culture than Washington, apparently. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. What was his name? So his name's Evan Weaver. He went to Gonzaga Prep. Uh, he was, I believe he was recruited by both schools. Yeah, I don't remember. I just know after the game, he said that uh, Cal's got a better culture than Washington. And then uh, this week, he was kind of running his mouth a little bit, saying that we win, like we win games. That's what we do. We're going to go up there and win stuff like that. Um, just adding, I don't know why you you say that to your friends, you say that to your uh, to your teammates, but putting that in the media, I, I don't know if that's ever a really good idea. Yeah, you're just fueling fire. What's the point of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you, you see in like during the Super Bowl media week, people, Joey Porter, he used to always run his mouth. Jeremy Stevens uh-huh. ran his mouth. And, and then he didn't catch a and freaking then, ball. And then he got blown up. Yeah. And then you saw people stop doing it. I just don't know. These guys are all so ultra competitive. Like I, I don't really see the point of, of doing it. Um, if I were, uh, you know, if I were in the Washington locker room, I, I'd see that more of a joke than, I mean, I think it would piss me off, but also I'd see what he, I'm sorry. I'd be mad about what he said about the culture being better there. Uh, in the media after after that loss, that would really make me mad. But I think the we go up to Seattle and win, that's what we do. Ah, that seems kind of like a joke from a team that went like 6-6 six and six last year. You know what I do, which I'm sure Peterson's going to do, which I'm sure most college football coaches would probably do, <laughs> is print that thing out and put it up all over that locker room. Look at Look at what this guy said. Think about it. Dream about it. Every minute you're awake, I want your mind to be thinking about that. Don't go out there and do anything stupid like take a cheap shot, but make him remember saying that and shut his damn mouth. Yeah, I just I don't see the upside of it. it you're, I... just, you're just fueling the fire, man. And, and maybe he's yeah. that confident in himself and the team that they are. And, and if I'm the Cal coach... I want my players to be that confident that they're going to come up to the number 10 ranked team in the nation and, and spank that ass. On the other side, you're also going into the 10th ranked team in the nation's house with a lot of fans, with a lot of hate. You know, you just came off of a huge win against them, and people are going to want revenge. And 
this is the game that we circled early in the year that we wanted revenge. I, I think if I was the coach of Cal, like I want him to have that sort of confidence and that moxie. I don't know if I want that in the media. Yeah. Um, I'd like to keep that in house. Cause I mean, he's saying that uh, Wilcox is saying the same thing behind closed doors, right? Yes. Our pro our, our culture is, is best. Cause you have to believe that if you're a coach Absolutely. and you have to believe that you can win every game, Yeah, but you don't need it in the press. No, I totally agree. So kind of a clown show. I think uh, if Washington needed any more uh, motivation to beat Cal, who, you know, that really took a lot of wind out of Washington's sail last year. It's not going to go well for Cal. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. You want to get to some picks? I do. So last week, obviously we were, uh, we didn't get to record, but Jake and I got all of them right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually had picks, but I deleted them. So I yeah. can't prove that I had them all right. So I definitely didn't because I had Arizona beating. I, I had Arizona covering the spread. Hey, so didn't I tell you Hawaii was sneaky good? Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah, and so you, and I, you I didn't believe since, me. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think Hawaii's decent. I think well, they could. Now, now you're. With I think me. they can make noise in the South, right? <laughs> now you now you believe me. I actually don't, and we'll get to that later. Okay, fair enough. All right, first up, we got Sacramento State traveling to Tempe to take on Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State beat Kent State, which is a really, really bad FBS school. Jaden McDaniel saw his first action. So, anyhow, Sacramento State coming to town. Um, ASU is a 33-and-a-half-point favorite. Jake, what do you got? I have them covering. And that is – You do. I do. And that is about as much of a point spread I'll go – and say that somebody will cover because that is a big, big point spread. Jeez. 33 and a half points. They got to beat them by 34 points. I know. And now that I said that, I don't think Herm Edwards is the type to step on a throat. And that is why I'm going with Sacramento State. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sacramento State holds a little bit of a special place in my heart. I used to do some work for a family whose daughter ran like steeplechase there. What is steeplechase? So, it's the one where they run around the track and they jump over that beam and they fall into the water. And I never knew that. I never knew. Oh that. yeah. I just thought it was like water running. All right. Next up, we got Northern Illinois traveling to Utah. Utah is a twenty-three point favorite. Uh, Utah handled BYU. It was close for a while, but. Utah just continues to dominate the Holy War. Did you watch? Yeah, that was race car night as well. Yeah, I actually did actually watch a little bit after that. I think they replayed uh-huh. it on Sunday. Uh, the game wasn't it. It wasn't as close. Watching it, Utah was definitely a lot better than BYU. Utah's yeah. very talented. Utah's really talented, and they're so conservative offensively. Yes, they are. Yeah, Tyler Huntley's line was like. 13 of 16 for like 160 yards. But you can't give that guy the ball too much. He'll get hurt. I just, I don't believe in Huntley at all. I know, and I do, so whatever. You ready for the fun fact of the day about Northern Illinois? I am. The Huskies? Who's their starting quarterback? They are the Huskies. Um, 
I don't know. It's somebody that you and I have been fans of last year. Ooh, obviously he's a, a transfer. He's he, a transfer. Is he a grad transfer? Nope. He's is, a transfer portal. Okay. Um, is it uh, 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 the kid from Cal last year? Yes. Oh, um, Ross Bothell. Bowers. Ross Bowers. Ross Bowers is their starter. That's killer. I'm rooting for him. I am too. So, uh, are they going to cover the 23 point spread? Man, this is so weird because I have Northern Illinois covering, but I think Whittingham is the type of coach to step on a throat. He just doesn't stop running. Like, that's his thing. Like, when they beat. Oregon a, a, a handful of years ago, like 70 to 20 or something. He, he didn't, he didn't take his foot off the, he took his foot off the gases and all they did was run and Oregon couldn't stop it. Yeah. Um, so I could, I, I could, I see where you're coming from on that. I go back and forth on this one. I'm also going to be rooting for Ross Bowers. Uh, and Northern Illinois has been good in the past, but just to keep it interesting and fresh, I'm going to go with Utah. Okay. Next, we have number four, Nebraska, traveling to Colorado. Uh, Colorado's a four-and-a-half-point dog. Nebraska struggled a little bit with their game last week. Colorado also struggled with Colorado State. So Nebraska's supposed to be good. Colorado's supposed to not. Uh, what do you think? I, I'm going to say Colorado covers. It's not oh. – Nebraska's traveling, but it's really – I mean, they used to be – Big 12 foes, and it's not that long of a travel. That's a huge rivalry area, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, but I, I think Colorado's going to bring it. I think they got something to prove. So we're going to disagree again. I'm going to go with Nebraska covering the four-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah, that's really not that many points. I don't think Nebraska's, I don't think Nebraska's as good as people think they are, though. I don't think they are, but that tells you what I think about Colorado. Who's the coach in Nebraska right now? Is it? It's Scott Frost. Scott Frost. I was thinking Major Applewhite, yeah. but he's he was the coach of Houston, but then he lost his job, right? You know, I I don't remember Major Applewhite. Uh, the only thing I remember about him was um, when he played at Texas. And who did he beat in the Holiday Bowl? I don't I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> who was the starting quarterback, Trev? All I know about the starting quarterback is as time expired, he ran out of bounds. <laughs> no, I, that's the only player I remember about that whole game. <sighs> uh, frustrating. Uh, why? I, okay. Right. Anyhow, Scott Frost, he was the, he was Nebraska's quarterback back in the heyday. Uh, he was the hot coach coming out as he was the offensive coordinator at Oregon. He got the job at UCF and turned them into a, Group of five powerhouse. Yeah. And now in his second year back in Nebraska, people are thinking big things. We'll see if they're correct. Next, we have San Diego State traveling to UCLA. Their uh, UCLA is a seven-point favorite. San Diego State, a 6 nothing win. Oof. Uh, UCLA obviously lost to Cincinnati. Yeah, and they did not impress me. Dorian you know, Thompson no. Robinson did not impress me. His stat line was atrocious. Chip Kelly... This this tenure there is off to a really weird start. I he do you is he obligated to bench DTR? 
I don't know. After one game, no. But if that, I'd have if, to look at the the roster behind him. If that to see tr- if there's if that know. trend continues, does he have to bench him? Probably. If I he mean, can't, I mean, four turnovers is a lot of turnovers. Yeah, man. And Cincinnati isn't Cincinnati of of five years ago with Brian Kelly there. You know. Well, Cincinnati was really good last year. And their defense is still good, but they dominated that game. That yeah. it was close because of some wacky plays, but that UCLA's offense did very little effectively. Their offensive line was letting guys through on every play. I don't know, man. It's it seems like my thought of UCLA turning a corner this year. I might have been wrong. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of been the foe of UCLA for like the last 10 years is their offensive line. Yeah, You think with how much talent that they've been reeling in, they could get some offensive line help, but it just seems like no matter what they do, their offensive line is the worst in the pack the last six, seven, eight years. I don't get it, dude. You get the cream of the crop down there. Yeah. It's you and you. I mean, if they got – and when Chip Kelly got hired, and it still might not. It still might be there, but you get a competent coach at USC or UCLA, they they can dominate, and and I just UCLA has shot themselves in the foot almost their entire history, uh, and then USC as of late has just made some really bad coaching hires. It's allowed other teams in the Pac-12 to to beat them uh, in recruiting and on the field, yeah. and. Frankly, it, it does hurt the, the Pac-12 brand. Um, I think that can change if Washington starts beating big-time teams and big-time games. But there's always going to – when you think Pac-12, you think Southern California. I don't know. So, I mean, yes and not, no. Not you. I mean, not o- you. No, I don't. Uh, Oregon could have helped out – Oregon could have helped out the Pac-12 in a major way by winning against Auburn. But, but the narrative with- would have been that Auburn isn't – one of the best teams in the SEC. SEC guys well, we lost always to them last do that. year, and we won the Pac-12 championship. So that hurt more than Oregon going out and winning that game. Regardless of what people say about Auburn, we we lost to them last year in the first play. You know, the first game of the year, and that hurt us more than anything. Yeah, I totally agree, and and that's the thing is because Washington loses that game. And the California schools are are on fire. Neither of them made a bowl game. That makes the Pac-12 look worse. Yeah. And it's it's people east of the Mississippi. It's the ESPNs that drive the sports narratives. It's the SEC guys that look at the Pac-12 and look at them. Paul Feinbaum. Paul exactly. I hate that guy. Did I posted something about Husky Nation that uh, he still probably would have. Tennessee winning, uh, winning the the Pac-12 even after losing to Georgia Southern. But yeah, they got. I said he's a real recognized real. I can recognize another Homer when I see one. Yeah, you're right. Right. So, okay. So shout back, out to Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> don't. I can we just put Paul Feinbaum in the Silent Miles category? <laughs> can we cl- to listen to can him. we clump those two together? I, I re- when if he's on, I don't watch. I, I ever. Okay. I got nothing for him. Anyhow, I, I San pick, Diego State at UCLA. I pick UCLA to cover. 
I do as well. They don't have Rashad Penny anymore. Yeah. All right. Northern Colorado at Washington State. Now, this one didn't have a line, but the odds makers say that Washington State has a 99.6% chance of winning. Uh, so, what my question for you is what would the line have to be for you to choose Northern Colorado? Ooh. 40. Okay. I was going to say 42 and a half. Yeah. It, right around there. Um, <coughs> just because beating, I mean, scoring 40 isn't so asinine, but beating somebody by 40 is pretty tough to do. Even, even if you're so much better than them. I mean, you, you always see Alabama once a year drop like 75 on somebody. Right. And beat them by like 50. But, uh, man, 40 points is a lot of points to beat somebody by. So, somewhere right in there. It is, I mean, they did it to New Mexico last week. Um, I might I, – I don't know. I might – even if it was 42 and a half, I still might go higher just because Washington State's offense is so efficient. They and... really are. Man, it does I, I, not look yeah. like they skipped a beat, huh? No, I mean, fit, what they score fifty six. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I might even go higher. I don't know if you could go if the odds makers could go high enough for me not to take Wazoo in that game because their defense is good enough. I mean, they held New Mexico State to seven points, and if, that's an FBS school. You're telling me if they put the spread at fifty, you'd take Wazoo to cover. Probably. Oh my gosh. Let's put it at fifty. You take okay, I'll take we're gonna put the line at fifty. I'll, I'll take in Wazoo. Okay. I'll take All right. that. We just we just did it. Okay. Next we got Nevada at Oregon. Um both of these games were really intriguing. Nevada's game against Purdue. They uh they came back from like eighteen points down in the fourth quarter, tied it. And then they put a freshman walk-on kicker out there to try a 56-yard field goal. He nails it. And in the locker room, they award him a scholarship. That's dope. This is so cool. That's dope. I like that. So there's a video of it. You can go find it where the coach is handing out game balls. I saw that. Yep. Oh, my God. And and the athletic scholarship, and the guys just go bananas for him. I, I mean, that's really special. And regardless of what happens in that kid's career, that's something that he'll never forget, right? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then Oregon, they're a dropped pass, a fumble, or a made field goal away from beating uh, a, a you, good uh, defense in or in Auburn, but a pretty, I don't know, that quarterback didn't impress me much. One yard. All they had to do was pick up one yard. Yeah. And they win that game. Oregon is 23.5 point favorite. What do you got? Oregon. Yeah, I mean they're they're gonna come. I think they're gonna be spitting piss and vinegar. Yeah, glad we don't have them week two. I'd rather have a a cow. So uh, and then we got Stanford at USC. USC is favored by three and a half. Yeah, I cannot believe that. I don't know who picked USC to fa- be favored to win in this game, especially after JT Daniels goes down with an ACL tear. Like, do, do you think that, that that's ridiculous as I, I do? The only, the only thing I can think of is because KJ Costello went down with the is a concussion protocol. Yeah. 
And if you have backup v backup, I'm going to take that receiving core every time. Uh, I just, I can't do it. I got, I got to take Stanford to, to cover. And I agree with you. And not just I to think... cover, but to win. Yeah, I do too. Um, I got to see that their offense sputtered under, and I should know his name by now, but that the, the true freshman that USC rolled out there, they struggled. Yeah. Um, I mean, they almost lost that game. And, and oh yeah, they, they were, I mean, they were, it more, was a, there was a really nice defensive play, mm-hmm, really nice interception to win that game for them. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, the, the bad news for SC is, you know, if they can't figure out the quarterback position, it could be a long year again, the bad news for SC and the good news for everybody else. It's really hard to fire a coach after their star quarterback. Right. Out. Right, and so that, that kind of doesn't bode well for me. But yeah, because you said he's going to be gone. I still think so. I I mean, you're USC. Yeah, you should have another. You should have another five star sitting right behind. Yeah, him, right. Remember Matt Castle? Yes. You know how many times did he play at USC? He had like twelve snaps. He had a good. Yeah. He had a good NFL career. He made money in the NFL. Yeah. So your USC, I anybody that says that he should be safe after losing JT Daniels is, in my opinion, wrong. I I hope they keep him. You and it me helps both. us. It does. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So next we got Northern Arizona at Arizona. There's no line on this one either. They have Arizona's winning chances at ninety six point six percent. So that's pretty high. What would you have? What would the line have to be for you to take this one? Probably less. Oh, way less, I think. Yeah. I'm thinking like 28. Yeah. So if we say the spread's 28, are you taking it? Am I taking Arizona or Northern Arizona? Are you at 28? Who are you taking to cover? Northern Arizona. Okay. I'll, I'll take Arizona at 28. Because this is going towards our jer- jersey bet that I haven't cashed in on yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next, we got Oregon State headed to Hawaii. Hawaii is a five-point favorite. Jake, what do you got? Hawaii to win over two Pac-12 teams in a row and cover. So, in the Pac-12 standings, the Pac-12 Far West, their first place. They're, know, huh? their first place right now. All right, so I have Oregon State going to Hawaii and beating them. Um, I'm going to take Oregon State on this one. Uh, Oregon State's offense is good. They were able to – they didn't – there was never a chance for them to win that Oklahoma State game, but Oklahoma State's a far better team than uh, Hawaii. And so I think that offense is going to be able to move against them and maybe make enough stops to uh, allow for a win. If you're a lower-level Pac-12 team, why are you scheduling going to Hawaii or Boise State? Just don't. I, I mean... Right? right? I mean, like, we could do it. Uh, Oregon could get away with it. Stanford, maybe, probably. Arizona, well, I mean, you'd think Arizona, right? No. But not. No. Cal. I mean, maybe. 
Cal can have Cal, Cal could, has a defense. Cal could get away with it, but I mean, even if I'm Cal, I don't want to go to Hawaii and play against that offense that can score. No, I wonder if it's like an incentive, like, hey, we're gonna go to Hawaii. Do you want to go to Hawaii? And these guys in Corvallis are like, I'd like to see something nicer than Corvallis. Yeah, maybe. I just if if you're a lower level Pac-12 tiered team and you're trying to make a bowl game. I'm not scheduling going to Hawaii or Boise State. You know, I'm I'm probably going to stick with like, like shoot. North- if I'm a low level Pac-12 team, I'm I'm not scheduling Eastern either. I mean, yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. Wazoo from a couple I mean, years back, and they weren't even a low level yeah. team when they lost to Eastern. They that ended was, up having a pretty good year. That, didn't that they? was the year that they went to the Pac-12 championship, wasn't it? Or not the Pac-12 championship, but. Um, had a chance to at the Apple Cup. Was that 16? I think so. Actually, 2016, yes. Yeah. They lost – they started 0-2. Yeah. They lost to Eastern Washington, Boise State, and then they rattled off 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in a row. Then they dropped uh, Colorado and Washington. Yeah. Wow. And they, yeah, stay both, away. Both of the years that we played them, actually, I think the last three years we played them with them having chances to go to the Pac-12 championship game, their, so, yeah. their fate has been in their own hands. Uh, the last three years, you're absolutely right. And all three, so, we were on them. Which is crazy, is last year, they were 11-2. and two. I know. They lost to SC and us. And SC, that was that really weird reverse call where the guy from the network came in and told yeah. him to reverse it. Uh-huh. Really, really shady. Like, how in the world does that guy still have a job uh-huh. in the Pac-12 network? But somehow he does. Yeah. Um, they could have been. They could have been eleven and one. And gone to the Pac-12. Or, uh, 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 ten. Uh, uh, 10 and 0 going into the Pac 12 champ, uh, the uh, Apple Cup. And gone to the Pac 12 championship regardless. Yeah, wow. Go Cougs. <laughs> Cal and UW. Oh, that game. So UW's a 13 and a half point favorite. I'm going to take UW to cover that twice. You think you're going to be in my 27? I think this team is really, really good. I'm with you. I I think that UW this year is as good as we've seen them in a long, long time. And I think, yeah, I totally agree I mean, with you. I I, I might have drank the Kool Aid, even though we played Eastern Washington, which is an FCS school. But man, a lot about this team makes me really excited, and um, I think you're going to see them walk all over Cal. And I think they're they gonna... just look elite. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're gonna. I think our offensive line is gonna do just fine. I think uh, we have a lot of talent that'll be able to keep the pressure off of Eason. I think Eason is an elite quarterback. I think. Um, I think our defense is elite. It, it might be at at this point in the season right now one step behind Cal, but I think by the time the season's over, I think they will be on par or better than Cal. Um, we have better athletes. We have better coaching, and I think Cal knows it. And I think that Cal's walking into uh, into a thunderstorm. 
Yeah, I was going to say Hornet's Nest. I like Thunderstorm. I like Hornet's Nest. I'll trade you. Deal. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, I got Washington covering that rather easily. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see that offense being able to keep up. We already went over it. Yeah, I, I, right. I think it's going to be a big time, big time cover. It's going to be a fun. It. It's going to be a fun weekend game to watch on my DVR because I'm going to be in Long Beach this weekend. Very nice. I think I'm camping. So I thought you were coming to see me in Long Beach. Yeah, I forgot about camping. Oh, so you made me feel bad, and then you turn around and tell me that you can't go. That's called manipulation, my I, friend. Good job. Good job. Yeah. I like it. That's why we're friends. Yeah. Yep. All right, Husky fans, that'll do it for Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. Go dogs. Go dogs.